This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? I still love that. I do too. We need to find one for for the others. Yeah, Um, it's so hard. So I was thinking for a closer look, like... um, uh, uh, uh. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. What's the thing with the people who dig? <laughs> Archaeologists. Archaeologists. No. Um, I'd much more be prone just calling them Bible nerds. Oh, I'm cool with Bible nerds. Let us know if you guys it's like. It's kind of a Bible project thing, though. We're just stealing, poaching off them. Yeah, but let us let us know if you like the the Bible nerds thing. Um, let's talk. I have no idea. Um. It's kind of crappy, but you just call them gospers. Oh, God. That's kind of what we do there. <laughs> Not exactly, but <laughs> we do a little bit of of gossiping. Yeah, I mean, we do talk a lot about, um, about we, we gospel, we, we gossip a lot about um, We gospel culture. gossip. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah and, I don't know what to call them. And then, ooh, ooh. Or pints and perspectives, brewers. That one's not half bad. Uh, you know, Martin Luther brewed his own beer, mm-hmm. and so, so did um, Charles Spurgeon. Well, Spurgeon was a whiskey drinker. He was a whiskey drinker, but he did brew his own beer. He did, did distill he? his own whiskey. I was fixing to say, I thought he distilled his own whiskey. He did do. He also, do grew whiskey, his own tobacco. He did grow his own tobacco and rolled his own cigars and yeah, like that. That's just awesome. That's like, man. That's man stuff. Like, <laughs> like true old school. Like, unfortunately, where we get feminist issues, man stuff. Just yeah. like, like, dude. Yeah, just hardcore. Like man. Yeah, man, man. The musky scent of man <laughs> is all over. Give me some of the man size <laughs> meatballs. <laughs> meatballs. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, hilarious yeah um was that the laugh track that was the laugh track nice. i was waiting for a time to use nice. it because i can actually reach it today yeah so if you don't know if you're not watching on youtube we're we're not in our normal studio we got some stuff going on with covid and just some changes we're doing so we're recording in a different space there was nowhere to put the camera so we don't actually have a um uh, a video version and when we typically have the video version we try to make it look clean yeah so there's nowhere to really put our mixing board but our mixing board has laugh tracks and sound effects but we can't reach them usually but um, we can today but we can today um and so i was waiting um for an opportunity today to use the laugh. i've been use dying the laugh to track. use the laugh track dude i've been dying and now well you might get to use it a few times in this episode because we're talking about the three yeah the three and threes are awesome i i can laugh at the three because i am a three like if you can't laugh at your own number if you can't yeah um then you're probably a six (laughs) (laughs) i might even go so far as if you can't laugh at your own number you might not understand your number yeah um but that is true. If there were anybody that couldn't laugh at their own number, it'd be a sick. <laughs> a one, of, two. Oh, a one as well. Yeah, a one. 
Um, Sixes, they're just so like, I don't know, afraid that yeah, people fear based. Yeah. But yeah, today we're talking about the three. This is me. So I guess I need to give you a synopsis of who we as threes are. So threes in their adolescence learned or made up that they were loved when they performed. So there was someone important in their life that they felt like they needed to perform and achieve for them. And so they conformed themselves to the image that they thought that person needed from them, which quickly ended up resulting in, hey, when I perform and achieve, I'm loved. Mm. So you do that to everyone. Yeah, You perform and achieve in every situation, um, which is why the deadly sin of the Enneagram 3 is deceit. Because it's easy to lose who you truly are in the moment of pursuing achievement and being image conscious. Yeah, to clarify, um, so in the road back to you, um, it says that uh, the deadly sin of the performer is deceit, not because they deceive others as much as because they deceive themselves. As Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote, no man for any considerable period... Uh, can wear one face um, to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be the truth. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's true. I mean, threes are so image conscious. And that doesn't mean image exclusively in the way that you look right a lot of like influencers are enneagram threes because it can express itself in the way that you look but it can also be not literally your attire but the way you do what you do yeah. threes feel like they are identified by and they get their identity in what they do most of the time their work and what they're passionate about. And so image conscious is as much about the clothes that you wear as it is literally the image that I'm portraying. What do I look the part of a pastor, a lawyer, a real estate agent, an influencer, um, more times than not, being image conscious means a lot of self-promotion. Yeah. Um, I think a good example um, that is in uh, The Road Back to You uh, is in actually in the relationship portion. Hmm. Um, so Morgan talks about um, this idea that threes um, feel the need for their family to look perfect for their relationships yeah. to look perfect when it's, people look in on yeah, it. Yeah, it's not just themselves, but it's also those that are uniquely connected to them. And because of that, you almost end up doing this like, uh, look at my family, right? Look how yeah. perfect we are. Um, yeah, you do. And that that's part of where the deceit comes in. Right. We're deceiving ourselves 
as much as we are everybody else that like family's perfect. This is one of the reasons I think at Wellhouse, um, like we really wanted one of the values to be, to be real. Yeah. I think because I, like I understand the detriment of the unhealthy three, the one that has to perform in every situation and loses track of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, so that's a three. Um, but this is not, this is not a podcast exclusively about threes for who they are, but how they can best experience God. Exactly. And, you know, two weeks ago I found this, um, this website called saturate the world. And they had the the Enneagram and spirituality connection, uh, document. And the way that I knew it was a good document, because when I went to the Enneagram 3, they gave five practices, of which I do four of mm. regularly. Wow. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, they they get it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, I just found something. Um, I didn't read this earlier. I should have. Um, but the 10 paths to transformation for threes, the second one that he mentions is actually applicable to what we talked about yesterday um, and in your story. Mm. Um, find a spiritual director to accompany you on your journey to reclaim your authentic self. Yeah. It's hard to walk the path alone. Yep. Um, yep. If you but, haven't listened to yesterday's Let's Talk, you should go listen to it, uh, especially if you're in Enneagram 3. But... That's my story of deconstruction, and I went through it largely alone uh, with very little guidance, um, which is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But so in this document by Saturate the World, um, the, the practices are broken into downstream practices and upstreams. And downstream practices are the practices that come naturally for the number. They're the ones that's the easy path, right? Going downstream is, think about canoeing. It's easy to go downstream. It's harder to go upstream. Upstream's going against the current, going against what's natural to you as your Enneagram number. And the two downstream practices that it recommends is a Bible reading plan. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's so true. Um, I have done a lot of different Bible reading plans throughout the years. Um, Some of them I liked. (laughs) Some of them I didn't. Um, For me, I have found it where I think it works for me, where I'm happy. Um, Every day I read three different things and sometimes it's one chapter. Sometimes it's four. I'm not rigid in that way with it. Maybe that's my four wing, but, um, I always read an old Testament narrative or prophecy. Mm. And if I'm reading narrative, um, I also always read a Psalm or a proverb every day. So I'm reading, narrative or prophecy 
Psalm or Proverb and New Testament. I'm always reading something from each one of those categories every every day. Most of the time, at least more recently, my New Testament stuff, I'm usually reading something from the Gospels or Acts rather than Paul. I used to spend a lot of time in Paul. I still think Paul's helpful. Paul's but, super helpful. Um. I think one of my complaints with the church is we run to Paul to see what he has to say about Jesus and we skip what Jesus has to say about himself. Yeah. Uh, cue the laugh track again. <laughs> <laughs> but so for me, that Bible reading plan is helpful because it does give me a structure and it does give me the ability to feel like I'm achieving something. Yeah. Um, I can check it off. Right. But then the other one that it says that's a downstream practice, once again, it's downstream. It comes easy because it's something that we can do and check off um, of our doing and our high performance and high achievement is fixed hour prayer or praying the hours according to the common book of prayer. Um, I don't do all three. If you do praying the hours, you know there are three of them. Morning, afternoon, and evening. So it's at 7, at 11, and at 5 specifically. Yep. Um, I don't do all of those. Uh, but as a as an Enneagram 3 and as an activist pathway um, and an intellectual pathway, spontaneous prayer is really difficult for me. Mm. It, I do it because I know I need to um, for certain things that are going on in my life. But I find liturgical prayers much more helpful. Yeah. And that's why I read the Psalms a lot is because if you didn't know, the Psalms are prayers. They're songs. They're communication from people of God to God. And they're raw. David doesn't hold back the punches. When he's mad at God, he lets you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, David also dealt with a lot of trauma in his life, and so he he swings that pendulum of trauma response. What am I saying? He swings it. The dude's playing kitty cat with it. I mean, he's just always hitting that thing. The dude basically lives in or lived in like depression. Oh, um, the dude lived with a whole lot more mental illness than just depression. I mean, oh yeah, but like, dude lived, dude lived in in depression. Yeah, yeah, never he, a time where he wasn't manic depressive. Yeah, um, so yeah, but uh, so fixed hour prayers are super helpful for me in that way. I don't, uh, I don't struggle to get through one of those, and then. When you couple that with like a meditative psalm reading or um, a contemplative or kind of prayer walk or something like that, something that's more meditative, ethereal, kind of not so fixed, um, it's helpful for a three because it's like, hey, I can do something while I'm doing it. For me, a lot of the listening pieces of prayer, I get um, when I'm driving or when I'm exercising or 
when I'm playing golf by myself, like when I'm doing something else where I can focus on something else mildly Mm -hmm. and give the rest of the attention to listening and praying. That's when I do my spontaneous prayers best. But I also find it helpful as a three, um, the lie that a three believes is it's not okay to be seen as a failure. Mm. Like we must perform, achieve and succeed at all costs. And it's not okay to fail. And so because of that, most threes, not all threes, but most threes work, 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 work. They work at a very unhealthy rate. Very, very high functioning, very high functioning, like dangerously high functioning. Um, And the truth that threes need to believe is that we are loved for who we are, not for what we do. Mm. And so doing fixed hour prayer is helpful for me because it it grounds me in that truth that I need to believe that I'm loved for who I am and not what I do. Because somewhere in between 11 and 1, I know that I'm going to stop doing what I do and I'm going to pray the hours as a person who's loved for who I am, not for what I do. Mm. Um, now it's easy for me. And yet it's also hard for me yeah. because it does cut against the grain, right? It, you do have to stop what you're doing. It's not like I can read my Bible and pray in the morning and just go on about my day and, and, and work, work, work. And that's why it's actually funny in, the saturate the world fixed hour prayer is both a downstream practice and an upstream practice. Wow. That's interesting. Although it makes sense. You can go downstream because it's something you can do and check off, mm-hmm. but it's upstream because it cuts against your natural desire to have to take a break. Yeah. Well, or even just to your, your lie, mm-hmm. right. About failure And the truth that you need to believe about you're loved for who you are and not what you do. Well, the truth that you need to believe, it's the upstream journey. Yeah. So to stop doing what you do, which is where you think that you find love or that you are loved because you do what you do, Mm -hmm. to stop that, to pray, does cut against who you are in order to canoe up the up the stream um, in order to spend that time as a person who's loved for who you are and not for what you do. Mm. And then there are two other ones here um, that are one of them. I'll be honest. I don't do because it's not my particular issue as a three. It's not where I fail. I've replaced it with something else um, recently. But another one that saturate the world talks about is confession of sin. Remember the lie that threes believe is it's not okay to fail. Mm. It's not okay. And specifically not even okay to fail it's not okay to be seen as a failure. Yeah. You can't be seen 
as a failure. You can't let someone else know that you failed. Mm. Yeah. And I know that's really true for me. I'm the guy that graduated undergrad with a 4.0 GPA. The guy that graduated my first master's degree with a 397 because of one A minus my final semester. Um, it's not okay to be seen as a failure. And so, as a person, we're all failures, right? We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so, confession of sin... It's a helpful practice for me. It grounds me, and then I'm a failure. Um, now, I will say, I have been recently wrestling with, you know, I frequently confess sin to God, but Saturate the World actually tells us to take it a step further Um and confess it to another person. Yeah. Because. It's very James-like. It is. They actually quote James 5 in their explanation. But um, because you risk someone seeing you as a failure. Yeah. So I want to be careful. I, w- I want to be careful with, with that language. Um, calling it a failure. Um, because. Yes. Um, you, I don't, I don't think you should see yourself as a failure. You need to be real in the fact that you have failures. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But you should not see yourself as a failure. Remember threes are in the the gut, the feeling triad. And so their identity is in what they do. If they fail, they change their identity to failure. Yes. But so, but it's also dangerous. Yeah. It's the lie. Yeah. Right. It's it's the unhealthy side of the three. Yeah. So you're right to call it that. Um, but I think for me as a pastor, I have to be very careful with who I can confess sin to. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> as a pastor, I it's really that. hard. Um. And so for me, um, I have people outside that I can confess sin to, and I do it to them, but I don't do it to anyone in the congregation because it's not to say that I don't trust anyone at Wellhouse, but there are horror stories of people confiding in people, um, and for whatever reason, for that, confidant it ends up becoming ammo like yeah it it the sin became something that i can no longer accept and so i use it as ammo to accomplish some kind of goal or agenda or whatever um i'm just not willing to risk that and so i do my sin confessions with people with peers that are other pastors that understand the same struggles as pastors because that's the other thing People don't understand. And often understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I, I can't use an all-inclusive in that. But 
oftentimes people don't understand the struggle that comes with the power differential that pastors experience. Yeah. Um, and how hard it is to manage that. And to another point, it makes sense that a three would become a pastor. Yeah, absolutely. It also makes sense that the pastorate would attract narcissists because they get to stand on a stage in front of everybody and talk about how great they are each week. <laughs> I try not to do that. I try to be very clear in self-deprecating stories. Yeah. Um, and actually, you don't tell a whole lot of stories where you're the hero, which is actually like a big preaching no-no. Um, yeah, well, that's what I mean by self-deprecating. If I okay. tell a story about myself, I'm usually the butt end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um and so a narcissist will tell stories where they're the hero, right? Right. So I think there are some different ways that, that that shows up. But for me, sin confession has been helpful with the right people. It's got to be with the right people. It's got to be with people that you trust. And it's got to be with people that you know are not going to hold it against you. Mm. Um, and then lastly, this is the one I say uh, I don't do. I, I do something like it but I don't do it exactly the way that they say it. And they say um, another upstream practice is to do a social media fast. Threes that are image conscious need that. Um, I am so busy and terrible at posting on social media in general. He's awful at social media. (laughs) um, That it's not a problem for me. Yeah. But I do or I try, uh, and I've been trying, I'm much more better about it in the last five weeks, but I try to do a work fast. Mm. I'm a guy that I like to do a little bit of work every single day. Um, It's my preference. I feel like if I'm not doing a little bit of work every single day, I don't know. I feel like I get rusty. I feel like I get out of the habit. I feel like, um, I get that. I feel like I'm not achieving. Um, I feel like, um, I also feel like when I'm not because threes, their identity is in what they do. I feel like if I don't do a little bit of work every single day, um, I can very easily slip into my stress numbers, which is a nine and just not care about anything and fall into like a very unmotivated, unproductive, like just nonchalant blah kind of experience, which is really, really unhealthy for me. Um, and so I like to do a little bit of work every day. So because of that, I've been doing work fasts, where I go a consecutive 10 hours of awake time. I had to change it to, excuse me, awake time because you could get away with that and go, oh yeah, I didn't work for three hours and I slept for eight hours. And so I can wake up the next morning and not work for one hour. And I go right back to work. And I did my 10 hours of work fast. 
It's not how it works. It's not how it works. So for me, it's 10 hours of consecutive awake time. So I still get to work every single day, but I get an uninterrupted period of time where I don't work. Um, and I can spend that time with my family or for myself or whatever. Um, so that's just my preference. So I don't have the dilemma that they have about the social media fast, but the heart of what they're trying to say is how do we do this in a way, how do we get you to fast away from the thing that you are image conscious about? How do we get you to fast away from the thing you feel like you need to achieve for? Yeah. So real quick, um, I just want to note, I, I love doing this cause it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, but the, so the famous threes that yeah. Morgan pulls out, do you know what the first one is? I don't. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Cullen's the same Enneagram as Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. So I will say Ian types those people. He doesn't know a hundred percent sure that they are. Absolutely. Uh, but from what we see about these people's personalities, right? we can make up that um, they're probably this number. So it's Taylor Swift, Mitt Romney, and Tom Cruise. Um, okay, interesting. So for Saturate the World, their famous threes, King Saul. Okay. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, what up? Muhammad Ali. Bet. Lance Armstrong. Bet. Tiger Woods. Absolutely. Elvis Presley. 100%. Will Smith. Nice. Tom Cruise. Nice. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. Yeah, so he's got a quote from Mick Jagger in here. Yep. Uh, the quote that he has is, I like changing personalities. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a very three kind of thing to say. It is. Um, but I did find this, this little excerpt that I, I kind of want to read. Um, confusing sex... Success for love, threes who lack self-awareness have to ace every test, close every deal, deliver a sermon that rivals the I Have a Dream speech every Sunday, and break every corporate sales record. Life is all about racking up accomplishments that garner applause. Yep. Um, if that's how you feel, if that's how, like, you, like, if that's your drive, then you're probably a three. Um, and... Potentially a very, very unhealthy one. Yeah. Um, so that specifically um, was in a place where he was describing an unhealthy three. But I, yeah. I want to go ahead and say that there is lots of good qualities about threes. Um, oh, yeah. Most, and I can say this pretty confidently, I would imagine most... CEOs, politicians, high-level executives are Enneagram 3s mm -hmm. or Enneagram 1s. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be desired about a 3 who can work at that level, who takes on the identity of what they do. Um, but it's also very easy to find yourself unhealthy because of that. I mean, when, when the lie that you believe that it's not okay to be seen as a failure, your life depends on how other people view you. Yeah. Which it's very easy when you're constantly conforming to what you think other people need from you. It's very easy to lose yourself in that conformity. Yeah. Um, he does say that a healthy three... 
um, tries to balance their abundant energy between work, rest, and some kind of contemplative practice, recognizing the importance of being instead of doing. They feel valuable, which unleashes a tender benevolence that is focused on the common good. Um, and I have seen Cullen in both healthy and unhealthy states. I've seen him in what Ian calls the, the average state as well. Um, but when Cullen is in a healthy state, he is working for the common good, man. Yeah. Um, and just like engulfs himself in, in working and fighting for social justice. And um, that is a quality that I think everyone should strive for. You know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not as easy for everyone, but that yeah. is something that everyone should strive for. Yeah, if you are uh, a three or a one or an eight, you probably have some qualities about you that lend themselves to that higher drive, high intensity kind of experience. For other people, maybe not so much. Um, but I do think... Um, Every number can have experiences of this because of integration and disintegration and wings. Yeah. Um, so I do think there, there are definitely things about it that are healthy and good and holistic, but there are also things about it that the unhealthy piece is that because your identity is tied to how other people see you, you don't control your own narrative anymore. Your narrative, your identity, your being is tied to how other people see you. Um, and that's the piece that can be very unhealthy. And so, as I like to do, the gospel threes need to believe. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me, not my successful, accomplished perfect image I am naked and exposed before him he knows the real me with all my sin and imperfections the good news is that he has covered up my shame with his unconditional love and mercy I don't have to present myself as accomplished and put together because Jesus is my true identity right now I'm being transformed by the Holy Spirit into my true self which bears the image of Jesus.